This is the podcast for the documentary in progress, Indelible, for the week of May 2nd, 2017. I wanted to provide an update about the FOIA case against the FBI for HARP's documents and also talk a little bit about some new information I learned about HARP's history before the sniper charges um, were received in August of 1973. As most who are listening here know, I filed a FOIA request with the FBI for the documents of Carl Harp in July 2014. And in January 2015, I received a single letter from the FBI stating they had 1,874 pages responsive. Um, 1,874 pages sounds like a lot, but it's not. It's actually a pretty small number of pages for someone like Carl Harp. The letter was dated September 18th. 2015, and why I received it so late is not known, but this is a common experience for me. I did not file the FOIA lawsuit against the FBI until the fall of 2015, as I had not received the documents, and again, it's a small number of documents, so they were expected before then. And I had been told numerous things by the FBI that showed they intended to stonewall my request. I had also submitted a request for expedited processing, as there were sources who also wanted to review the documents who were ill and dying. But my request was denied, so I appealed, and the appeal was denied. In September 2015, I confirmed details of Harp's mercenary training as a kid, and I also received a threat from someone related to the military, where I was told to drop the project and what would happen to myself and those I cared about if I did not. It was after this threat and this new information that I filed the FOIA case. Not only did I ask for Harp's documents, I asked for those of my father and my own from a time when I was a professor at a particular university and had an experience with the FBI after an intentional or what appeared to be intentional hacking of a server I was using to teach my classes, a hacking supported by the CMU, that's the university administration. Although I doubted how forthcoming the FBI would be, I wanted to put into the public record information about Harp's death, which I had found and which, as far as I could see, had not been made public. I had little funds to pursue the case effectively and had filed the case pro se. Sometime later, I was able to obtain legal support for the case pro bono by two experienced attorneys one in Seattle, and one in Washington, D.C. I have been told recently that the FBI is refusing to provide any documents on my father or myself, and the basis of this refusal is because in the subject line of their correspondence with me in 2014 and 2015, they only mentioned the HARP documents. They never provided a letter that stated they had no documents on my father or myself, during a particular time frame. 
but I am told the subject line, omitting a reference to these documents by the FBI, is enough to have the judge support the position of the FBI and not provide the documents. I want to say plainly, I have copies of documents that the FBI would have in their possession on both myself and my father and our interactions with the FBI. So this is clearly not factual. Why are my attorneys intimidated to the point of going along with such a weak argument? I don't know. But this is not an uncommon experience for people in my position. I do not agree with this stance, but I feel it's important to move ahead with the HARP request. But how do I think the HARP request will go? I'm going to imagine that it will go well and that my attorneys will fight for these documents. They have said I should submit a new request for the documents on myself and my father. But I know if I do this, it could be another two years before they arrive, if they arrive at all. And it has already been three years since I made the initial request. So I wanted to say here that the fact the FBI wanted these requests removed from the case is meaningful. It means that there's a reason and that they need the time delay this exclusion will provide. And this is of concern to me, in part because there is this constant pressure on me and those I care about, and I'm worried what will happen to all of us in that interim. I watched a panel which had three esteemed journalists, writers, and attorneys who have worked tirelessly to make sure traitorous and exploitive actions of our government against our own people and leaders will be preserved in the historical record. This includes attorney Bill Pepper, who worked on a case for the family of Martin Luther King and is currently the attorney for Sirhan Sirhan, who he believes is innocent of the crime of shooting Robert Kennedy. He was also friends with Robert Kennedy and Martin Luther King. And I spoke with Bill Pepper in... 2014, when I was first beginning this project. I admire his work. And he's the person who first made me realize that my father's untimely death may not be as it was presented. It is one of the reasons I asked for his records, because two FBI agents stood outside his treatment room at the hospital until he lapsed into a coma. And I always wondered why. During the panel discussion, it was made clear just how common the military, media, and law enforcement collude to keep the public from hearing how public violence, including assassinations, occur, and how those who uncover details of their activities are stopped by these government groups. They said that first they try to discredit them or invalidate them and push them into financial ruin. And in most cases, this is sufficient to silence their voices. But if this does not work, they take other actions. Sometimes they create false criminal charges to place them in prison. 
or if that doesn't work, they resort to ways to cause their death. This tied in with new information I learned about Carl's early years. As I've mentioned, Carl was targeted and trained as a mercenary between the ages of 15 and 16, and then worked as a mercenary in Guatemala and Vietnam from the ages of 16 to 17, excuse me, 16 to 18. At the age of 18, he had completed this work and applied for a social security card in Paso Robles, California. 18 is a late age to apply for a social security number, as I've said, especially for someone in poverty. And I could find no reason why he was in Paso Robles until last week. Paso Robles is the town near a former army base named Camp Roberts. And Camp Roberts was the location of the CDEC, or Combat Development Experiment Center. This center would have included activities like those carried out by undocumented mercenary kids like Carl and the others he described. I also remembered that one of the sources for the film described to me that Carl stated he never had to go through customs when he returned to the States from his mercenary work. It is also important to not forget you are required to have a, have a social security number to be in the military, and Carl did not. So his activities with the military as a mercenary were not as an enlisted or drafted person. He was not part of the troops, as he stated. What's important to remember is Carl was just a kid in poverty, and so were others who were targeted for this mercenary work. They were used for the dirtiest activities of our government, activities that they keep hidden. And, as in Carl's case, they are often used as patsies in more horrific crimes, also carried out at the bequest of the government. And if they then become a potential risk which might expose these activities, their lives are ended. Attorney Bill Pepper described the experience of James Earl Ray, Lee Harvey Oswald, and Sirhan Sirhan as being similar to that of Carl Harp. Attorney Jesse Trentadu describes those accused in, Oklahoma, in the Oklahoma City bombing as also having a similar background and demise. If we close our eyes to the experiences of kids like Carl, then our children will be continued to be exploited. And this kind of exploitation steals the innocence of lives and destroys not only their lives, but that of many other innocent people. And for what? For greed and power and nothing else. We need to stop protecting those who have become corrupt, and we need to teach them to walk a different path that supports the thriving of all people. Because only then will we be able to live freely. And I think that's what we all want. That's all I have for today. Good night.